0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. It's all about him, isn't it? Amen. Give him glory right now. Father, we glorify you. We glorify you. We thank you, Jesus. You know, it's so easy to get kind of caught up in that place, isn't it? when we come to church and we have the social component and we have ministry and we do this and we do that and we make it about us. But church, we need to be very, very aware every day that life is about him. It really is, can you say amen? You can be seated this morning, praise God. God is so good. One thing about technology, it's wonderful when it works. It's a real drag when it don't. And I also want to echo uh, my wife's comments um, concerning those that helped us with the trunk or treat on Thursday. Alex Chadsey did a great job leading that. <laughs> Amen. Give him a hand. Praise God. And then everyone, uh, everyone that helped us set up, tear down. Uh, work the the uh, trunks and pass out candy and and then everyone that donated, um, whether you donated finan- finances or you donated candy, um, everyone came together and it was a team effort and we had a great time. Amen. And you know what? I know that people got witnessed to. I know people got invited to church and people uh, saw uh, what new life is really all about. That we care about our community and that we love God. Can you say Amen? Well, this morning, I told the first service, I said, well, we're going to see what this one's all about. (laughs) It turned out well. Amen. You say, well, you wrote it. Shouldn't it be good? Well, I'll be honest with you. I was a little bit, uh, when I wrote this sermon, I was a little bit like, "Mm, okay. And so we'll we'll go on. Um, But uh, I believe God is saying something. You know, I, I have to say to you, and I will say that, this subject, the Lordship of Jesus, has, you know, once again, it has uh, reached down deep, 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 deep inside of me. Um, this is something, I, you know, I've, I've shared this with you before. I've told you many times that uh, preachers oftentimes, if you look at their sermons and you trace the history of their sermons, you will see um, a, a type of journaling of their journey uh, through life because it's very hard to separate uh, me from the reality, of what I'm going through in my spiritual life from the reality of the church. And, and, and I know there has to be a separation. I get that. I understand those things. But oftentimes, what God is speaking to the church, he's speaking to me. And he's speaking um, to me in ways that uh, in, in this last season of my life have been extremely profound, uh, speaking to me in ways that uh, I told the church uh, this morning in the 8:30. This has wrecked me. Uh, this is this this is gotten on the inside. And I don't use the term wrecking as a negative term. This is altering, changing. Um, God sometimes comes into our lives and he will um, he will move the furniture around. Amen. Amen. And uh, he, the one thing about God when he does a remodel work on your your house, he's not even apologetic about it. Uh, and you know what? He doesn't ask for your opinion. He, he's not going to go, hey, uh, what do you think of this color? Uh, he just comes in and he knows what's best. And, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that, let me just say this. How many believe, just raise your hand, let's just do a social experiment. How many believe that that God really does know what's best for you? Raise your hand. I mean, all, just about everybody. There was a few that didn't raise your hand and I appreciate your honesty. But, you know, how how many actually live as if he does know? little less, you know, because when when God says stop and we go, no, no, I want to go forward. It's like God knows best. Amen. Amen. And somewhere what we have to do is be compliant to that. Can you say amen? Well, I want to begin again uh, with our text that we used from last week. We'll use it in all three sermons kind of as a springboard text um, because talking about the Lordship of Jesus. And the Bible says this, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, it says, Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is is Lord, to the glory of the Father, of God the Father. Now, that is a powerful thing. That's a powerful statement because, you know, when we talk about the lordship of Jesus, oftentimes it is talked about and, and people hesitate in this because there's, there has been such a negative spin put on the lordship. And the reason that it, there's a negative spin is because of the fact that we tend to think about the lordship of Jesus in human terms. And when you think about somebody that is a king or a lord or a dictator or somebody that's you know in charge, and I'm not talking about just in charge, but we're talking about somebody that has the ability to uh, uh, manipulate your life. When we're talking about... Lordship, we're not just talking about a boss and we're talking about Lord. Oftentimes we think about that in a negative because that power is abused. But you have to understand in the context of the lordship of Jesus, God, Jesus, is always good. Amen. God, there is never a day, there's never a moment, there's not a, a nanosecond where God is not good. He is always good and so his lordship is always good, and the truth is, this morning, His Lordship really is the way to victory. Are you hearing me? If you want the kind of life that is fulfilled, if you want the kind of life that has uh, uh, abiding joy, uh, uh, um, peace uh, that is beyond imagination, peace that's un- uh, you can't understand, that you you can't even get a grip. Why am I so peaceful? Uh, you want that contentment that the Bible promises then you need to understand that it only comes through when we are submitted in lordship, when we're submitted under him. You know, the Bible contains precious, great and precious promises and people have estimated, they've gone through and counted, and I know there's differing amounts. One one person said 5,000, another 7,000. I've heard as high as 10,000. And I guess it's all how you split them apart and you know how they come. But one thing we know for sure, all of the promises of God are yes and amen. Can you say amen? But those promises, the, the key, the thing that we have to understand or we need to understand is how do I apply? How do I appropriate How do I uh, realize the promises of God in my life? How do I walk that out? Well, there's only one way to walk that out, to realize them, and that is that Jesus Christ, that you are submitted to Jesus Christ as Lord. And when I was writing this sermon, I thought, well, you know, I'd make this statement and I even penned it, but then God kind of corrected me. I wrote down, you need to make him your Lord. And the reality is that is so not true because he is, this verse of scripture says it, he is Lord, period. Whether you make him your Lord or not is irrelevant. He is Lord. Can you say amen? He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is high and lifted up. He has a name that every tongue will confess to, every knee will bow to. He is, in his own right, Lord. The question is not that we make him Lord. The question is, will we submit to him as Lord? Can you say amen? Amen. And so we're continuing on with this series, The Lordship of Jesus. And I think this morning, from my view, my chair, it's probably one of the most overlooked principles in the Bible. Yet it is the most important conviction in the Christian life. And you say, why is that? It's because the Lordship of Jesus touches every area of our life. There is not an area of our life where the Lordship of Jesus doesn't touch us and minister and speak to our lives. And we wonder why then do we have such a problem? It's not because I think for one minute that we would intentionally refuse the Lordship. There is no one in this place that understands even to a a simple level the, the dynamic of God in our lives, that would ever intentionally refuse the lordship of Jesus. But the reason that we have such problem is because unfortunately, it's just a subject that in this culture and in this time is not given much thought or practice, even in the church We confess him as Savior, but we struggle to confess him as Lord. Because the truth is, we want to live by our will and not his will. Can you say amen? But here's the problem. One man said it this way. He says, if Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Are you hearing me? So when we come to this subject, misunderstanding or neglecting the lordship of Jesus really then is at the root of all of our problems. Amen. (laughs) It is at the root of it. I guarantee you today, if you were to come to me with any problem, any problem on the planet, anything, I guarantee you this is at at the root of it. See, if you remember all the way back into the Garden of Eden, You remember the devil slithered slithered his way into the garden and he, he began to convince Eve of a lie. He got her to believe a lie and that lie was that God was holding out on her, that there was more to be had. And once she believed the lie, she set aside the lordship of the father and for the first time in all of creation, she felt a lack She felt that something was missing. She was wanting. She desired something she already had. And she was tempted. She fell, Adam with her, and we know the rest of the story, don't we? Thanks, Adam and Eve. Misunderstanding or neglecting what that story shows us, which stands as a marker in all of history is it shows us that misunderstanding or neglecting the lordship of Jesus really does make us vulnerable on every side, doesn't it? Without Jesus as Lord, our lives at best can only be victim. That's what we are. Without Jesus as Lord, We become a victim. We, the Bible puts it like this. We are like a city without walls. In the old days, in the ancient days, B.C., cities without walls were cities that were easy targets. This is why when you go back into history and you read stories about Nehemiah, why he was so passionate about going back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. See, you just look at this. Think about the, the context because 70 years earlier, a man had come in and had already built the temple. In other words, they restored the presence of God. But something even then was still wrong. In other words, there was a type of salvation but there was still something wrong. Yeah, yeah. Why was there wrong? They were vulnerable. They hadn't completed. They hadn't completed everything. And what happened is they grew weary and tired. And they allowed the walls to remain in ruin. And even though the presence had been restored, they were vulnerable to attack from anyone that would. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They made him savior, but they didn't make him Lord. Are you seeing that? And so Nehemiah is passionate about coming back and restoring the walls. Why? Because it provided a sense of protection that nothing else could. And when we live without the lordship of Jesus, the best we can hope for is victim. I am convinced today this is why Christians struggle. We struggle, we struggle. Why? Because there are areas of our life that are simply not submitted to Him. Psalms tells us, last week we looked at Psalms 23, verse 1. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I shall not lack, I shall not be lacking. The Lord who is my shepherd, I shall not want. This was the lesson that David understood. He understood that the shepherd that provided for him was his Lord and he submitted himself. The Bible says this, he was a man after God's heart. Now there's no doubt that David was not a perfect man. We know that. We know David had many flaws. He had many difficulties, and he made many mistakes. But we also understand when convicted, when David was cornered, when he got into that place, the Bible says that he would go after the heart of God. He would repent, and he would look towards God. And he said, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. I, I, I can't do this without you. And he understood that he needed to once again submit to the Lord. See, Satan this morning does not need you to deny Jesus in order to destroy you. All he needs is you to believe that what Jesus has given is not enough. And the moment you believe there is one thing that God has not given you through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, you will connect to a sense of lack that will overthrow the Lordship of Jesus in your life see we don't have a relational problem today I told you this is where we ended last week we don't have a relational problem we have a Lordship problem we don't have financial problems we have a Lordship problem we don't have emotional problems we have a Lordship problem we don't have spiritual problems we have a Lordship problem we don't have a sin problem we have a Lordship problem See, the lordship of Jesus begins and ends with surrender. Are you hearing me? And as believers, as followers of Christ, we are to make Jesus our daily priority. Listen to what I'm saying. We often say, and we passionately mean it, I've made Jesus a part of my life. But that's not enough, church. He don't want a part of your life. He wants to be your life. Jesus is not going to be numbered among the facets of things that you call your life. Jesus is your life. But too often we mix our priorities that we're supposed to have with God with the priorities we feel about ourselves. And it becomes this mixture of my will and his will. And God says, I'm out. It's my will. Yes. Amen. My will be done. Yes. And sometimes we like to hide. <laughs> and the reason we like to hide is because it means that we don't have to surrender certain areas. We just kind of want to keep that. You know, I reserve that for me. I, you know, I'll give you 98%, but this 2% over here in the corner, pay no attention to that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't worry about what's behind that door right there. That's my door. That's, those are the things I reserve for me. There's a story of a man, uh, a Japanese man that was in World War II And when World War II ended, he was on the Philippine Islands, a particular island. I forget which one it's called now, but he was on an island. And he was in the jungle, and most of his uh, company had either died or had succumbed to the jungle or had ran away in fear. But this man, he was loyal to the emperor and he was loyal to his cause. And so for 20 years, he refused to surrender. So anyone that went into the island, into the jungle, he would fight them and he set up booby traps and all kinds of stuff uh, 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 to, to resist surrendering. They even sent people, Japanese people in there to talk him out, to say, hey, look, you know what? The war's over, the war's over. It's over, come on, you can surrender, you can go back home, you can be with your family, you can enjoy life again, you don't have to live this way. But because of his sensitivity and his sensibilities to what he believed was right, his will, he refused to surrender. It was not until 1975 that he finally came out of the jungle in surrender. Actually, he wrote a whole book on this story. And he talked about his story of not surrendering. And I think that's an ample picture of a lot of Christians. Let me tell you something. The war's over, folks. The moment Jesus said, it is finished, it was done. It's over. It's through. <clears throat> but what we're doing is we're hiding out. We're hanging out in the jungle. We're, we're, we're saying, wait a second. We, we, we got jungle life down, don't we? And God is calling us out. He's calling us out. But we don't surrender because we're loyal to that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. And to live the life that God has planned for us, which is the best, we have to wave the white flag of surrender. But the question is, how do we do this? How do we do this? How? Because it's gotta affect us on a very simple level. This cannot be, this can, when I say reduced, actually, this cannot be elevated to good theology. This has got to be simplified to daily behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This has got to affect me when I'm sitting at the traffic light at Stockton Hill and Andy Divine and the light don't want to turn green for me. Yeah. And I'm ready now just to flip off the world and cuss at everybody just because I'm impatient. It cannot, it's, it's got to change how I conduct daily life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So how do we do that? It's great to talk about Jesus as Lord, and we sing songs. He's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We surrender all to Jesus until it's time to give it up. (laughs) Whoa! Wait a second. It's just a song, Jesus. Time out, man. Don't be getting all grabby. You'll go get your own. Are you getting it? I, you know what? Let me tell you something. And, I, and, and once again, I, I'm not trying to make a statement because I believe this church is enormously generous. But when I sit down and pay bills and I have to write that tithe check out, I wrestle. Because see, when I was making three thirty five an hour, it wasn't nothing to tithe. All of a sudden now there's a little bit of oomph to it. And it's like, really, you want all? (laughs) I've actually had him say to me, good thing I'm not asking for all right at the moment. (laughs) But the reason, see, the reason that we fight this church is because we've got this negative spin on it. This is the way to victory. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, I want to read you a portion of scripture. Scripture. And to be honest with you, I hesitated with this. I kind of sat there and mulled this over for a while because this passage of scripture has been used as a baseball bat. I'll be honest with you. There's been many that have gotten up and used this as a a tool of manipulation for their own desires, their own own thinking that this is the way things ought to be. But that's not what I want to do today. I want you to understand this is awesome. Okay, Matthew 16. Verses 24 and 25, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now in this passage, there are four challenging but necessary steps to take if we want to lead a life of surrender. And follow under the Lordship of Jesus. And the first step is probably the hardest step. You ever notice that starting is always starting is my challenge. You know um, it's, I don't care if it's a good thing or a bad thing, you know And here I'll put it in context. Starting a diet is hard. <laughs> starting one. It's like, like I, I, this is how I think. Friday I'll be just like, "Oh man, I'm so fat, I need to start." And so I think, OK, Monday, I'm going to start my diet. Monday rolls around, and sure enough, there's somebody who always invites me out to lunch, and they go, let's go to lunch, yeah, you know, let's, let's not go to the salad bar, let's go to McDonald's. Oh. Well, all right, next Monday. Because I can, if I can't start on Monday, I can't, it's, I've blown the week already, right? This is blow the week. It's not like you can't start on Tuesday, because if you're OCD, you look at the calendar, and you're in the middle of the week. Tuesday's the middle of the week when it comes to a diet. Or that's bad side. What if it's a good thing? Like, hey, let's go on vacation. Let's go somewhere. And so now we're loading the car, and you would think getting out of the house and into the car would be an easy task. But it's like, "Lord, why do we have to take so much stuff?" And that's not my wife, that's me. It's like, "You know, I got my backpack. It's filled with six books and my iPad and I got this, and I got that, and I got, what, what else? Chargers. Chargers and every other thing to hook up everything. And it's like, holy cow. It's hard to get started. And I think the reason that is is because a lot of times this is, goes against our nature. Especially when we talk about what Jesus is asking of us. And in fact, this morning, this starting point is where it Begins and ends for most people. In this passage, and I want you to listen. Jesus is inviting, it's an invitation to join him. If anyone desires to come after me. If anyone, if anyone would, the invitation is universal. It's it's an invitation to all who would come after him. You say, well, what is that about? That's an invitation to surrender. And it begins with a willingness to follow, to obey, to submit to his authority and his will. See, we really got to get this church. We need to understand this morning what this means. Surrender means to yield to ownership. Do you understand this morning that you are not your own? You have been bought with a price, the Bible says. What what price was that? The blood of Jesus. He bought you. He paid in full. It's to relinquish control over what we consider is ours. Our property, our time, our talent, our money, and our rights. It's to say to him, it's yours, Lord. I give it to you. See, when we surrender to God, we simply acknowledge that we belong to him. That we belong to him. And he is the giver, this morning, of all good things. The thing is, is to sit back once again, like I say, when you think about it in human terms, uh, dictators and lords and kings always haven't been really good. But we serve a God We serve a Savior, a Lord that is always good. Can you say amen? We are responsible to care for what God has given us. It's not ours. We are stewards. You are a steward this morning of this life. The finances God's given you, He requires stewardship. The home, the family, the marriage. The job, everything about you, is to be within the context of stewardship. He has given it. Even the breath that you breathe right now is from him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? By surrendering to God, we admit that ultimately he is in control of everything, including our present circumstances. See, surrendering to God helps us to let go of whatever has been holding us back from God's best in our life. Think about it. Our example of this little Japanese man that was in the jungle. He had to surrender in order to get out of jungle living. Now, I understand this morning that that is a tall order, I understand that's difficult because there is, there's all kinds of emotional things in the midst of that. See, because this is, the, see, let me see if I can illustrate this for you. See, when we, when we are attached to something over here, we're hanging on. <coughs> God is over there. And the, 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 the space between here and there is called surrender. You catching it? And when we are holding on you will never be able to reach across the space. There comes a point when you have to let go of what's here. To walk through surrender to be able to grab a hold of what's here. Here's the problem. There is a point for a very short moment when you don't have a hold of either. And that freaks most people out. And so what we do Is because it's the place called the unknown, we run back to what we know. Life in the jungle is better than life in the unknown. That, my friends, is the lie of the devil. That is the lie he sold Eve. That's what he got her to believe. Are you hearing me? We have to let go and we have to reach for God and this surrender, this process brings me right here to God and we find out this is what I have been looking for all along. This is what I wanted all along. Are you hearing me? But listen, this, this thing that Jesus is telling us, this willingness begins with a desire. We have to want it. There's a lot of people that that, that will talk about it, but they're not interested, they don't want this. But it begins with a desire that says, I want this. Then that desire has to be followed by a decision. There's a lot of people that want to lose weight. There's a lot of people that want to go to Disneyland. There's a lot of people that want a lot of things, but they never make a decision. They never pull the pin, so to speak. They they never do anything. And then once they make that, that, that decision, they need determination. They need that thing that says, it's gonna get me through the obstacles because listen, church, there's gonna be times that your decisions are going to be challenged and you gotta have some determination and that determination needs to be followed by discipline, training that says, I'm gonna continue in this. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And this works at the very smallest level. This means that when I'm in Safeway and I'm standing in line and somebody cuts in front of me, that I don't just lose my cool and begin to call this guy an idiot because he cut in front of me. Maybe he didn't see me. Maybe there's circumstances beyond what I understand. But somewhere what I've got to do is I've got to submit to the Lordship. And Jesus, don't call anybody an idiot. He loves people. He gives way. He says, no, no, step in. It's okay. I'm second. You're first. Yeah. He yeah. says, think of others before yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a submission to him. This whole dynamic is recognized by Jesus as great faith. Do you remember the story? in Matthew chapter eight where the centurion comes to Jesus and he says, my servant is at home dying. Would you please heal him? And Jesus says, let's go to your house. We'll, we'll get this done. And he goes, no, no, no. I'm not worthy that you would come into my house. Just speak the word. He says, for I am a man of authority under authority. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and this one, come, he comes. This was a man that recognized submission. He understood what it was like to be in a chain of command. He understood what it was to be over people, and he understood what it was to be under. And when he began to explain this to Jesus, Jesus' comments were, no greater faith have I seen in all of Israel. See, when we are in submission, it releases the supernatural. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And this has to be relevant in the most smallest of situations. See, in the beginning, we know God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, and he gave them everything they needed, and all was good. Can you say amen? Everything was available except one thing, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then the serpent came in, and they fell. Once he tempted them, they fell. Now the question is, what if Adam and Eve had been wise enough to see the deception? What if they had recognized the choice that was being put for them, and rather than doubting God's word, they had chosen instead to obey God? What if they realized God was to be obeyed, even the smallest commandments, even the ones that don't make sense? What would our life be like today? Now before you're too hard on him, on them, before we want to go tell Adam and Eve off, every one of us have been given a choice. Today. Multiple choices today. You decided there's people today that are at home that have been given choices. Amen. 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 And we've made choices. Now the question is, in those choices, did we surrender to God? Did we surrender to His will? See, we've been given an open invitation to surrender, to walk through life with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And as wonderful as that sounds, it's hard to do because surrender goes against our will, doesn't it? It goes against our grain. That's why in every way, surrendering to Jesus begins and continues with a decision. See, people often ask me, how do I do this? Decide. And I I don't, at at the risk of becoming facetious, that means at every moment, God, what do you want me to do? Now, I know that this can go off into crazy land. I understand that. But I'm saying to you today that God is interested in the details of your life. What does he want you to do? There was back in the 80s and 90s, there was an old saying that got on wrists and bumper stickers and T-shirts. It was, what would Jesus do? And that was a great philosophy. It was a great thing to ask, what would Jesus do? But it was not enough to ask what Jesus would do. The question is, what are you going to do in light of what Jesus did? Because if you don't do what Jesus did, it don't matter. (laughs) Oh, man, did you feel that? Whoa, that was a good one. That was, that was, those are the ones you look for. That's the, I didn't mean it that though. What Jesus did is healthy and wholesome and good. It leads to life because he is life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not this drudgery. See, religion makes this, this whole thing uh, a drudgery. Religion comes in and goes, you got to do this. Yes, you got to, but the motivation is vastly different. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The next step is that we need to deny ourselves. The Bible says, let him deny himself. Denying ourselves means that we surrender our self-will and we embrace his perfect will. In John fifteen five, Jesus is speaking about the context of the vine and the branches. And he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing. And the, thing, the whole context of this is Jesus was saying, look at I am the source of life. You are the fruit bearer. And if the fruit bearer is engrafted or submitted to the source of life, you can't help but bear fruit because that's what you were designed to do. And as long as you're plugged into him, you will bear fruit. But if you're not plugged into him, if you're more interested in demonstrating your prowess as a branch, you will be fruitless. And the danger is, the Bible says, in the, and the servants come and throw those branches in the fire. Church, you need to be submitted to him. You come in contact. You submit to the life, and then that life flows from the life giver to the branch. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And he says, without him, I can do nothing. Jesus prays, and he says, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And then in Matthew seven twenty one through 23, it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. This, this phrase, Lord, Lord, was a Hebrew way of indicating relationship. So in other words, these people are saying, I believe I'm in a relationship with you. He says, but not everybody that thinks that will enter heaven. They, he says, but only those that do the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say uh, to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied? Have we not cast out demons? Have we not done many wonderful things in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Listen, doing the will of God, being submitted to the will of God, takes us deeper into the relationship of God. That is where we get to know him are you hearing what i'm saying there's something about surrender to his will that takes us deeper so think about that for a moment are you living on your terms or are you living on his terms i had to answer those questions are you hearing me see when you receive jesus as your lord and savior in essence you're saying i surrender all to you, Jesus. Can you honestly say this morning that you've done this in all areas of your life? The answer, if you're like me, is no. There are areas that are still dark. We need to pray. We need to say, Lord, I want to accept your invitation. I want the light of Jesus to shine. Into every area of my life, the third thing Jesus calls us to do is to take up His cross. Now, once again, there's been lots to be said about taking up His cross and following Him, and I'm certain all of them are very good. But the the direction or the angle I want to look at this is when you think about the cross, when you think about Jesus taking up His cross, what was the purpose? It was to be a sacrifice. It was to die. That don't sound fun. Paul puts it a little bit more palatable when he says this in Galatians 2.20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, church life is not about me anymore. It's about him, always about him. In Romans chapter six, verses one through 14, and I'm gonna, for the sake of time, I'm going a little bit longer, um, so I'm gonna try to just give this to you. It talks about the idea of dying to self. It's in the act of baptism. When we're baptized in Christ, we've died. But that resurrects us into the newness of life. Then later on down in the the verses along like verse 12 and, and that kind of thing, he says this. He says, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. He said, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. Don't present your members as members of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not have dominion over you. The reason that we struggle is because we're just not submitted. And When we don't submit, we don't yield ourselves to God. We yield ourselves to anything else. And it becomes sin. So when, I, when I'm struggling and what, when I, when I want to get mad at somebody and cuss them out, I got to go, wait, time out. I'm dead to that. That's not me. I've died. If I want to look at something on the internet that I ought not to look, I go, that's not me. I'm dead to that. And if you got to do that 500 times in a day, do it. It'll get easier. You'll discipline. See, desire, it's got desire, decision, determination, discipline. That's that process. And there's going to be times when you stumble, but that the great news is when we do stumble, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who's the propitiation of our sins. And if we confess that we're sinners, he forgives us. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. And so what he does is he says, look, I know you blew it. You, you, you walked outside of Lordship, but come back in. You're welcome back in. Come on back, run back. It's safety here question is will we continue to live for self remaining unsurrendered embracing things that hinder us from a deeper relationship with Jesus are we going to continue jungle living remember this, this concept of the lordship of Jesus is not to bash you on how bad you are this is to tell you how good it is over there the lord is my shepherd I shall not want. But I can't just go he's my lord and not surrender. The last thing Jesus asks us to do is he says follow me. And this is a difficult task again. Because it gives it, it means giving up control. And we like being in control, don't we? I do. I like having control, but I'm just not, I'm discovering at 54, I am not very good at control. (laughs) So how do I do that? How do I give up control? Number one, make Jesus the manager of your life. Sell out to that. You know what, Jesus, you're in control. You're in control, man. You do it. You tell me what to do and I'll do it. Then establish God's word as the authority of your life. All of it, not the parts you like. (laughs) Even the parts you don't like. Embrace God's spirit for the power. It's not gonna be, you're not gonna do this under willpower. It's not gonna happen. You're not gonna be able to muster up under this. It's not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And then keep Jesus as the focus of your life. Now this morning as I close, and I'm gonna ask Jason to come if he will. It's worth thinking about this. And here's the question. Is there any downside to not surrendering? Is there any downside to this whole thing? Yes, there is. Huge. Listen to verse 25. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Church, one of the things that is hardwired into us is life. To fight for life, and we are all fighting for life. Can you say Amen? You know what? And it's in the simplest things, but it's life. We we need a raise on our job. We need peace in our home. We need salvation for our children. Health to our body. All of those things. We need clothes and a roof over a head, all of those things. Jesus said, I know that you have need of them. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these things should be added to you. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. You can try. You can try to find life on your own. You can try to fight for it and try to manipulate it, but you won't get it. But if you'll lose it, let it go. You know, I can imagine Abraham waited 25 years for the promise, and the promise came. And then God says, I want you to take the answer to the promise. I want you to take your answer, your promise, And I want you to go lay it on the altar. I want you to sacrifice it. Good story, hard reality. I love that story because I'd like to think that I would do that. But even this morning in the 8.30 service as I was saying these words, God gently spoke to me. I went in the office and went oh my gosh how am I going to do that but I can tell you that I'm convinced more than I've ever been in my life that this is the only way to victory I've been around enough I've been saved for 47 years and in those 47 I think it's going to be 48 in November or in December I can't remember now But in those years, I've done every fad. I've cast demons out of doorknobs. I gave till it hurt. I've confessed for Cadillacs. I've done it all. I've done it all. I have believed every little thing coming out of every man of God's mouth. And God says, that's great and well. But what I wanted you to do is believe what was coming out of my mouth. So I want to give you life. I want to give you the life that you've been hoping for. He says, because that hope is not something that originates with you. That hope originates with me. And the only way that that hope can be fulfilled is as if you surrender to me. And I'll be honest with you, there's times when in no man's land, nowhere, it gets a little scary. And sometimes reaching, you're a little unstable. What's that look like? I don't know what it looks like over there, but I know it's better over there. is there I know jungle living I've lived in the jungle I've eaten enough rat (laughs) that I want to be over here I want to be on God's side God I just I think he's just speaking to the church right now and he's saying I'm way better at being Lord than you are can you say amen why don't you bow your heads with me Father we thank you We thank you, God, for your great love and we thank you for your revelation. I pray for everyone that's in this room, Lord, that as you begin to speak to them, as you gently remind them of the areas of their life that have not yet been submitted, Lord, that they would realize that this is not you being harsh. This is not you being mean. But this is you wanting to take them to another level. A deeper walk, a more blessed life, to where we can truly say that it's exceedingly abundantly above all that we could think or ask. And Father, we thank you, and we ask that you help us with this, Lord, because we can't do this on our own. And as every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you're here today and you'd say, "You know what, Pastor? I don't know Jesus is my Savior. I'm I'm not right with God." Is that if that's you, would you lift your hand up? I need Jesus as my Savior. Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand. Someone else. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Would you all pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. I surrender to you right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't God good? Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? We'll let you out of here. Our ministry team is coming up front. If you have a need of any kind, come on up. Let them pray for you. If you raised your hand for salvation, come on up. Talk with one of them. Let them know you just got saved. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.